0: so how have you been how's everything been going
1: i've been great inspections have slowed down just a little bit uh but i've always got something going so i'm always busy so it's been fine it's uh, it's been great i've got a lot of things in the works and I'm just ready. I'm ready for a little bit of a slowdown so I can take care of some of the things that I've been putting off and start the new year off with a bang.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Is this typical for this month to kind of be the start of slow season?
1: It is. Uh, well, with holidays coming up, you you have one of two things. You've got fall break for kids, and so a lot of people. In real estate, take off at this time because it is typical for us to slow down. And then you see an influx of rush, rush, rush because people want to buy a home and get in it before the holiday hits. Right. So it's kind of a mixed bag at this time.
0: Yeah, makes you sense. Just have,
1: to, just have to be ready for it. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah and i want I want to dig into some of the market stuff in a minute but um just for those out there listening that don't know you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and um your company what you guys do and uh, go from there
1: okay um my name's Melissa Kuhn. I own the inspection connection I have owned the inspection connection since two thousand five um we are a full service inspection company. We do termite inspections, well, and in septic swimming pools, uh, duct soap, scoping, sewer scoping, mold, you name it. If, if we don't do it, we know somebody who does. So uh, we do that. And I'm also a 203K consultant. And I am the executive director for the Oklahoma residential and Commercial Inspection Association, which is a group of, a local group of, of home inspectors. Uh, it's the organization for the local group of home inspectors. And I also sit on the um, Home Inspection Examiner's Committee at the Construction Industries Board. So I have a lot of irons in the fire all the time.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it. That's a that's quite the resume, um, and so I'm sure that keeps you busy running around town. And you're based out of Oklahoma City, correct?
1: Based out of I live in Guthrie, Oklahoma, but it's north of Oklahoma City. Little small town, not a lot of action here. We started our office in Guthrie, and last year we moved it to Oklahoma City um, because most of our business is Oklahoma City and the surrounding metropolitan area.
0: Sure, sure, makes sense. Is the city growing up towards that direction? I know Oklahoma City's kind of booming. We'll get into that in a bit, but I figure it's. It is.
1: Important. It is. We are, and you know, the area Oklahoma City in area is the eighth largest in the United States. So it is a very large area to cover, and in addition to Oklahoma uh, City. In the metropolitan area, we cover nine counties. That's very, very unusual for a home inspection company anywhere else in the United States. Um, Most people have areas within their city that that's what they cover. Right. But here, we are very, very spread out. So we we cover a great distance.
0: Wow. A lot of drive time then, yeah
1: lot of drive time but <laughs> Oklahoma City as a general rule um, has well since the market crash so to speak in two, 2007 2008 we started climbing really back up about 2011 and we've been on a steady increase of about two percent in increase in sales per year since then That's so crazy. the market's been really steady.
0: Yeah, that's great. Young population, young, educated, up and coming population, from what I read.
1: Oh, absolutely. The median age is thir- like 37.
2: Wow. Uh,
1: for Oklahoma City. Um, that's the, that's the, the greatest number, um, you know, of, of the population. And then about a quarter of that population, which the population of Oklahoma City is roughly 600,000. Mm-hmm. But the metropolitan area, which is what we cover, is about one point four million Wow, and twenty five percent of that is under eighteen, so we've got a lot of people raising families here and keeping them here, so we're going to see a lot of growth and i don't I don't expect us to decline in this market for a long time, hopefully never.
0: <laughs> right, right, and I want to ask your opinion on that um, here in a bit. Um, but let's let's jump to your background. I'm curious how you got into home inspections. You mentioned '05 was when you started your company, correct?
1: Yes, I was a career person. I had a corporate job for uh, about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Where I left my family, I would fly out of wherever they wanted me to go. I would grab a, you know, catch a plane and go. And I traveled constantly and I was on call 24 hours and I was missing my family. And I, I had one of my children looked at me one morning and, and wanted to know why I left her every day and it broke my heart. And I thought I need to reexamine my life. I need to, you know, I need to prioritize my family. And so I quit my job without any, contingency plan. Um, I had money in the bank, but didn't know what I was going to do. So I taught school. Um, I started out just as a teacher's aide at my kid's school. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I was asked to help with uh, an alternative school program. And I did that for a few years. And then they closed that school and I, as I knew it was coming, I could see it coming and teaching just, I'm sorry, teachers, I love you. You have a tremendous job, but it doesn't pay. And it was time after five years to start looking into something that was lucrative. Uh I had been reading um, Entrepreneur Magazine for several years, perusing through thinking, do I want to get back into the corporate world or don't I? And decided I didn't want to work for somebody else. And one of the jobs there was uh, that they were expecting growth with home inspection. I thought, okay, I've got, I've got to figure out what that is, and I, I need to do that because we had a construction company, and I can build a house. So I know about construction. I thought, if, if I know that, I can probably inspect one. Right. Um, totally different. Um, much more to it. Really, because you can't see when you're building, you can see what you're doing. When you're inspecting, you can't see what somebody's done. <laughs> but uh, I decided to pursue it, got into it, and the rest is pretty much
0: history. Very nice, very nice. And you survived through the recession. So you started '05, and then 07, 08 comes around. How what was that like? I, been in the business a few. Well,
1: years. you. You learn to budget. You learn to do without. And, you know, my whole focus the entire time was I've got to provide for my kids. So I didn't think about anything outside of that. Just providing, um, you minimize on the things that you can't afford to expand on and you just get out there and stay at it. And I think persistence was the key. I did not stop. Whether I had work or not, I got up in the morning. I had a plan. I had a plan to go out and hit the pavement every single day um, and talk people up, get out there, and, you know, whether I got a job or not, I was going to make sure they knew who I was, (laughs) and it pays off.
0: So
1: persistence is the key.
0: Yeah, and, and so much on you know on this podcast and everywhere else you read and see things that you people wanna talk about the specifics of say an agent presentation or how to reach out. And sometimes we don't talk enough about just those nebulous concepts of not taking no for an answer, waking up every day, kind of the fluffy motivational stuff that some inspectors I see lack. And so that that's worth noting. I think that you just had that I'm gonna make this work mentality, right?
1: Exactly. I don't take no for an answer. It. That sums me up pretty much. I, uh, <laughs> I get out there and I do. If, if nothing's happening, it's your fault.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: my philosophy on life. If you want to complain about something and you're not doing anything, it's your fault. So if you want to make things happen or if you want things to happen, you need to make them happen. You need to get out there and make them happen. If I quit inspecting today, I would have a job just as lucrative in something else because I get out there and make things happen. And I think that's a difference in success is your your mental picture of what you're going to do. And you've got to project that mental picture out there.
0: Yeah, because agents, they're motivated individuals also. And I was talking with someone else about this, how they are all about the inspiration, the motivational quotes, the the, the 10x your business type stuff. And when they see an inspector have that mentality, they can identify with that. And so I think that putting that out there, and like you said, verbalizing it and showing them that you are a go-getter, I think some agents just fall in love with that.
1: They do. And that's what retains that agent is you're like-minded, they know it from the beginning. I can meet somebody and know what kind of person they are. Well, that's probably my training over 20 years of my previous career, but it has helped tremendously in working with customers, you know, my clients, um, real estate agents, mortgage people. You know, you get a number of phone calls when you own a business. I'm not just a home inspector. I think, you know, there's a huge difference between being a home inspector and owning a home inspection company.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know,
1: Some people can go inspect a home and leave it and they don't look back. And I think that's the mentality of a great number of inspectors. They don't think they should take it home because it's not in our standards of practice. We don't have to do that. And as a business owner, I can't leave somebody with a question in their mind. I can't leave things dangling you know i need to i need it clean sleep we need it taken care of they need an answer to it before i go home and sleep at night because those are the kinds of things that will keep you awake
2: right.
1: how's that how's that person going to react what are they going to do where's this going to go if you didn't answer a question and mind you we don't nobody has all the answers nobody right. has all the answers sometimes you have to get back to a customer about something that you've seen on an inspection, you know, that somebody's done because, and you can't make heads or tails of it, but the key is follow up. You've got to follow up. And I think that's the difference in a, in a business owner and somebody who just does inspections.
0: Completely agree. And I do, I have been noticing a, I guess, a correlation or trend with folks that have had um, either business or corporate experience because there's so many skills in business that you learn that are just become second nature to you, like following up, like asking questions, listening to people, making sure their needs are met, setting expectations that sometimes, and it's not even a fault on the ex-plumber or ex-handyman, it's just their experiences are different. And those are the things I think some inspectors have to inherit or learn somehow, even though they didn't have the life experience.
1: That is a skill that definitely has to be taught. It's not something that you just pick up or, I mean, you know, that you just have. It definitely has to be taught.
0: I'd love to see the schools and um, associations kind of doing more soft skills work. I know that you have to have the appropriate instructors to do it, but... Um, I think that's a big gap um, kind of in the education and training. I know there's inspector coaches out there and some companies that are doing some cool stuff, but um, I don't know if they're doing necessarily soft skills training.
1: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because this is something that I brought up to our boards that I am working on as far as criteria for educators. And I can't say anything officially because it hasn't been discussed but one of my pet peeves is the schools producing inspectors and putting them out there, and they don't have that skill set. They don't know uh, because it wasn't taught through their schooling the standards of practice for their state, and we are seeing more and more inspectors that get out there and get in trouble because they aren't following the state guidelines. They're following some big association guidelines that may or may not meet their state guidelines. And so I think we are trying to, as a group sitting on the Home Inspection Examiner's Committee, um, rethink what's coming to us as far as education goes. Or at least that's what I'm trying to do. We'll see how that works out.
0: Yeah, I love it. I think it's a positive movement, positive change. Um, to just, and it, uh, it raises the bar of the industry, which I think everyone says is their goal. And everyone's kind of mindful of that, of raising the profile. Inspectors can charge more, inspectors can do a better job. Everyone's more professional. I think that's, there needs well, to be more yes,
1: it, it absolutely puts everything into a different perspective. Um, I teach home inspection at two different schools in Oklahoma. I teach in Stillwater. Oklahoma, and I also teach in more Oklahoma. One's north and one's south.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I do, I, I'm on their schedule, each one of them twice a year. So I do four classes um, in pre licensing. And that's something I teach in my class. I teach them those skills uh, so that they're prepared when they get out there to be a professional. And I have other inspectors you know, through, through my uh, 14 years, I've had other inspectors ask, why are you teaching our competition? Why are you, why are you putting people out that they're going to compete against us? And my answer to them is, you know, if I'm going to be associated with other inspectors, I would hope it would be somebody that has the same set of standards that I do. You know, Mm -hmm. you're only as good as your best competition. You know?
2: I love that. If you think about it. Yeah.
1: If you think about it. If you if if you got somebody out there that's one upping you all the time, you're struggling to achieve to be that or get better. And I think that's what you need to have to be successful as well.
0: And you you know it
1: eliminates a lot of problems.
0: Yeah. And it's for the greater good. And I think that mentality is rare and um, I really respect that um, you know, you could also find future employees doing that. So it's maybe not a, <laughs> yes,
1: that's, that's a perk.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Let's talk a little more about that because I think you have unique experience there. What do you see as some common uh, misperceptions of people getting into the industry? So some of these inspectors that you teach, what's some common things they, uh,
1: the, the first thing is they think it's really easy in Oklahoma. You have to take, um, and and it's different everywhere. So I'm only speaking to what I see here. Um, But I think some of it may ring true in other areas. I think, and what we see, because you have to consider the area that we're in, is we've got a lot of oil-reliant people Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma. And over the last few years, we've had, uh, issues with earthquakes because of fracking, so they stopped some types of oil production and natural gas production because of the different techniques they're using. So things have slowed down. There's and you know uh, the oil business is up and down and up and down. And who they employ, they'll they'll lay off some and then they'll they'll be a big boom to get employees. So everybody that's been laid off recently either wants to be a realtor or a home inspector because. Uh, uh. They think it's easy money. Right. They see the, they're used to a specific lifestyle that they've built up to with the dollars that they were making. And then they compare it to home inspectors and realtors, and they all they see is dollar signs. They don't see what it takes to get there. It's not that easy. In Oklahoma, you have to pass the national exam. Every time I tell one of my classes how hard that test is because the failure rate is about 70 percent, wow. they don't believe me. Yeah, right? They don't believe me until they go take the test, and then they call and say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that that was so hard, etc., etc. So I do a lot of tutoring as well, but it is a very difficult test, uh, and I think that they think it's easy that it doesn't cost a lot of money to get started uh, to get a you know to get your home inspection license here Uh, the test and the home inspection license beginning uh, not including their insurance is about five hundred dollars the schools range from six hundred to eighteen hundred dollars for the pre-licensing so it's not a huge investment but they think that they're going to be able to just start the phone's going to start ringing and that's not how it works.
0: <laughs> Clearly. What do you think perpetuates that vision? Cause I, I see it, you know, here and same thing with real estate and home inspections. What do you think contributes to people thinking it's easy? Like, I don't understand that.
1: I, I'll tell you what drives me crazy is Some of these, well, right now, I mean, before, when I first started, it was not this way. Social media. Everybody uses social media. And every person that wants to start a home inspector group on Facebook does. And I think that, I mean, if you look at them yourself, you know what you see out there, there's a huge range of professionalism and what perception is about what the inspector's job is. Now, I will tell you, all of the schools pretty much teach the the same techniques. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And they teach the same things that you are supposed to inspect for the most part. Your state regulates exactly what you need to be doing, but for the most part, the schools teach—you know—the the, they tell you what you need to be inspecting. They teach you about structure. They teach you basic electric, basic plumbing, etc. But they don't teach you how to apply that. And so, there's a vast range of people's ideas about how there's actually supposed to take that information and use it. And you'll see if you read these boards the the just how different people's perceptions are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I think that I think that there's a lot of people that brag about what they can do out there and what they've done. And I think a lot of people that don't understand what the actual business is and what it means take that as the truth. I don't want to say people are liars, but you've got a lot of that going on. No. And I think they think it's easy. Now, in other markets, you know, they've, they've got a lot of work. There's a lot of work to be had. And I think in certain markets, people get away with that. And so other people, for instance, people that I deal with here, look at that and think, oh, that's what I want to do because look at this person and look what they've done and look at look at the investment I've got to make. It's not a whole lot. So I think that's what I want to do.
0: You know, and it, it blows me away, the... the I guess uh, entitlement really to just think that you open up shop and the phone starts ringing without any personal connection or trust or expertise or validation. So it's it, yeah, it's it's, uh, it blows my mind. So I think there more of that in the world is better to set expectations properly for some of the new ones coming out there. And, um,
1: and, and unfortunately we can't control that because it's so easy to access any information now. True. And you know the the little uh, mantra "fake it till you make it." I've seen people trying to use that in home inspection, obviously, mm-hmm. and it that's going to cost them. It's you know it could cost somebody's life if they if they don't discover a safety issue, and it could cost that inspector a whole lot of money.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Do you, do you fear, um, cause obviously, you know, for the last seven, eight, nine years, you read stats about there's not enough home inspectors and there's tons of realtors, obviously with the booming market in most, um, in most places across the country, do you feel there, it, we would hit a saturation point with a lot of schools popping up and cranking out new inspectors, or do you still think it's under the ratio is down from inspectors to agents?
1: No, I, I think we are seeing it this year more than ever. I've seen it more than ever this year. I think we are going to, as a nation, I think we're going to, and I can tell you just by the, the statistics here that I keep track of, which is the number of home inspectors, normally we fall under, and this is just people that have a license on the list, whether they're um, active or inactive. We've <clears throat> always fallen below about 400. We're up to about 450 now, um, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but not changing at all in however many years, and now it's trending up. It's due to the amount of schools that are out there that are becoming eligible by state to do pre-licensing training Mm -hmm. and I think, I think we're going to hit a point where we've got inspectors and I hate to say this because I really don't want to see this happen, but um, you can ask, I belong to a a group of professional inspectors who are like-minded and we talk about these things um, every single day. And one of the states that always comes to my mind is Florida. (laughs) Yep. Okay. There is a tremendous amount of inspectors in Florida and the professionalism uh, or lack thereof, you know, there's just a, there's a huge difference from company to company and they just keep these schools just keep pushing out more and more inspectors. So yes, I think we're going to get to a point and I think, you know, every state is going to have to, and this is, this is part of my plan is to make sure that in Oklahoma that we're protecting the consumer by adding some additional uh, requirements to schools. Right. Right. And, and one of the other things is I would like to see an apprentice program because I really, I studied with somebody for, uh, about a year or two years before I, I went out on my own Mm -hmm. to do an inspection. And I think that's minimum. I think you need two years on the job training doing, you know, at least, five inspections a week, minimal, to be able to make decisions about things and be able to communicate properly with your customer to make them understand what the implications are because sometimes it's not something that's actually broken, but the implications are there for problems. And I don't think that some inspectors have that, um, you know, have that experience under their belt in order to be able to effectively communicate that issue with their client. And it's, you know, it's really, honestly, no fault of theirs by the way things are now. But I think as a state, we need to accept that responsibility and go, hey, we, we aren't doing enough to put something out there. You yeah. Know? I, I hate for it to come to that point, but I think, you know, I think we need to step up the requirements.
0: I'm a fan of, yeah, a better- of the state structuring this stuff because you kind of get the old mantra of inspectors not wanting to train their competition or have parallels or ride alongs. And if the state doesn't require it, these new guys are just kind of on their own going to the forums and asking questions as opposed to on the job experience. And so for the States, right. Yeah. For the States that want to protect the consumers. Yeah. I think it's a great thing.
1: Well, and the thing, you know, if I have an inspector who's got, say they've got a 20 year company and they come to me and they go, well, we don't want to do this. We don't want, we don't want to do an apprentice program. We don't want to have any kind of training. We don't want to take those people on. Well, okay, that's fine, but, you know, if we don't do something like that, if we don't do something like that, this is what's out there, and these people are taking away your business without skills, and they're setting a price point. You know, you're paying, you uh, know, insurance at however much you're paying for yourself and anybody that works for you, and this person doesn't have to have it as far as our state goes. They don't have to have it. And so they can go out there and they don't have any they don't have any of these programs that we put into place as professionals to protect ourselves and our customer. So we you know and we do the training that we do. They're doing the minimum amount of training because that's all that's required. And they're getting out there and they're not insured and they're doing these inspections. And they're charging $150 and you're getting that customer that says, why do you charge 330 for this same inspection? And then you have to go through explaining your experience, which if they listen, that's great. But there's a tremendous amount of people that shop for price only. And we've got to change the mindset with real estate community that you're doing a disservice to your client if you're shopping for price only. If you're the one that's calling and you're shopping for price, you know, call us because, and say, I have a client who's limited with their funds. They can't really spend a whole lot with whatever. A lot of home inspect professional home inspection companies will work with a client just to make sure they get a good inspection. But too much of the time, they're shopping for price only.
0: What's your advice for experienced inspectors? um, You know, talking about the flood of new inspectors coming into the market, what would you advise a lot of the experienced inspectors out there? How do they approach um, or what are the actionable ways they can prevent maybe the new guy that's coming in at $150 from kind of taking those little inspections from them here and there, which have had up to a lot when you have, you know, a ton of new inspectors in a market, what should the experienced inspector okay. do?
1: Um, well, there's a, there's a couple of ways that you can combat that. Um, my approach would be to hit it head on and, and take that inspector to coffee and explain the differences. And what they're doing, what it can do overall, and show them some things that you do that put some, you know, put some things in their head to do a, a better quality inspection to charge more. Wow! Whether that works, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, I I have approached a couple in that manner, uh, and you you either get somebody that listens or they they tell you off. You know. Um if I didn't want to do that, I would just uh, probably make sure that I am doing my footwork and educating as many real estate offices as possible as to why I have a better quality product.
0: Yeah. I love it. And my marketing mind naturally thinks of branding and thinking of, okay, in all the agents across your town or city how many of them have a firm imprint of what your logo and your brand means kind of, you know, the subconscious even. Um, and so that, that's like your website. That's how you speak when you're doing agent presentations. That's how your demeanor on site is. And the bigger your brand feels and grows, then I think the new guys can't really stack up to that. They can't say, Hey, we have 55 star reviews or, Hey, we have all these testimonials that, prove to you that there's value for the money. So yeah, I think it's a branding exercise.
1: I think branding, I think your actual true clients for years, I will tell you, I did no advertising on the internet. Mine was word of mouth only. Nice. And I think a lot of what we're seeing now is you can buy reviews. You can buy a company to do a hundred reviews, I give my clients names, call this, you know, call this client, see how their experience was. I give actual referrals. If they want a referral, I'll give them 20. You know, um, it's unfortunate that there are companies where you can buy reviews, but there are.
0: Yeah, and my hope is that, you know the folks over at at Google and Facebook are smart enough to hopefully catch up to them eventually um i always tell inspectors if you're thinking about taking shortcuts just know that there's really smart people out there that are trying to catch you <laughs> and so they will
1: exactly and and that's not the way that's not the way to do business
0: not at all but
1: it happens it happens um i don't know with all of these marketing companies i probably get this is just an estimate, probably 10 to 15 calls every single day. That's a marketing call about putting me number one, making me number one, you know, but everybody can't be number one. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and I just, I just think, uh, I think the key is in educating realtors as to what they're referring out there if it's a quality product or not.
0: Yeah. You know. I like that route. I'm also seeing some inspectors and I'm indifferent on this. Uh, I don't really know the impact where, you know, a big experienced company um, with you know tons of value will have their starting at price be very low and then um, do the upsells and add ons. And so it's like the sticker price, you know, is around 200 um, to kind of combat that. So I don't know if that's a good trend or not, or if that's something that's happening more, but, you know, as a consumer, you don't like up charges, And so it's kind of a, a weird spot.
1: It is. And I have mixed feelings about that, but I have mixed feelings about going below a base price that, you know, undersells your experience and you know, your actual cost. Of education and insurance and everything else. So I'm, you know, I understand doing packages, package deals, and trying to upsell, but I don't think lowering your price is the way to go because once you do that, once you set a precedent, that's where you're gonna be.
0: Yeah. And just from an agent perspective, when I used to walk along on home inspections and ask questions. I I'm shocked the average is as low as it is. I think inspections are worth $600 in value at least for what you learn from a home buyer or a first time home buyer agent perspective and so I would love to see prices go up over time. I'm just trying to think of what what can contribute to that? What can help that?
1: Well, I I think, you know, I think the, the mentality of that inspector that's first starting out because it is difficult. It is very difficult to you know, get that first paid inspection and, and have somebody put some trust in you. I think their idea is, oh, I'm going to start out at this and then I'm going to raise my prices. And they don't realize it. they'll start getting used to that money coming in because they've got that low price and the minute they raise it, it's going to slow down they need to just start out at what they're worth and you know do the things they need to do and move forward because starting your price out very low isn't the way to build your business
0: yeah and looking at just basic economics it's like would you rather work half as much and make the same amount or work twice as much and make the same amount and so i think inspectors need to be thinking of return on time not just return on dollars it's like return on the time spent
1: right well you know in in that um line of thought if you are getting a lot of inspections at your 150 or 199 price and you're having to do three or four a day and you're a one man operation you're going to make some mistakes because you're trying to get done to get to the
0: next inspection. Right. That's a great point. The customer experience. And
1: that's going to cost
0: you. Yeah.
1: It's going to cost you and your customers. Uh, it, it, it may cost you in your pocket because you failed to do something. I mean, literally, if you think about it, that customer's getting what they're paying for when they pay that 199, 150, 199 price. They're getting what they pay for. They are getting experience. And they're getting somebody who's trying to rush from one to the next. So I think I think we need to put that in their minds in the training stage about doing the right thing, following people, getting that training that you need to have. So you can have that experience under your belt. And then when you start out, you can start out at a decent price.
0: Yeah. I think. not know. That's just me. No, I, you know, I think there's probably a, a consensus out there among, of course, the experienced inspectors. But I think, yeah, I think you said the thought process is a little backwards with the new inspectors. Um, and I think that can happen when they maybe don't have those value propositions or the training and the confidence to say, yes, I am worth 300 and here's why, Um, and then they go to the bottom.
1: Well, and I think, too, um, one of the key things that I tell all of my students the entire time I'm going through the process of teaching them home inspection, I let them know that having a network of experienced inspectors around you is key to success. You need to belong to a local organization that meets and talks about the issues. And, you know, you can you can learn from their experiences just listening to a group of inspectors talk about, you know, their experience with clients, their experience with realtors, their experience in inspecting a house that was built in 1920, as opposed to a lot of these people that go in and think it's going to be a 2018 house that they're looking at every single time.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it's not. I mean, it can vary greatly. We try and prepare them, or at least I do, try and prepare them in class for some of those things. But if you get out there and your first inspection by yourself, Kevin, is a 1920s house that somebody's uncle's brother's sister's best friend's (laughs) father-in-law wired. That's not an electrician. And you're standing there looking at a big mess in an attic. You're going, what in the world did I do? And you have nobody to call. Right. This actually happened to a student of mine. And he called me and he goes, you know, I've gone with you enough to, to know what I'm looking at. But he goes, I just don't know where to start. You Sometimes you need that person to help you focus so that you can put down on paper, because that's what you're being paid to do, put down on paper or in an electronic report You're you're there to document what you're looking at, and sometimes you just need that, that other person, that network of people for focus. You need more than one. You need a safety net. You know, somebody you can, two or three people you can send a picture to, you know, text a picture to, or call, or whatever, and say, hey. I'm out here I'm looking at this and i I have no idea where you even begin. I think that's key even if you don't take them on as an apprentice because we don't have that program now and a lot of places don't but just being you know having that new inspector join an organization that's local where they can meet people or go to continuing education where they can meet inspectors or even calling other inspectors and saying hey I'm new I'm inexperienced I want to do this right I don't think there are that many that would turn them down maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm just too optimistic
0: <laughs> You know my Mike and myself did this when you know years ago when we started Spector we found a mentor and my advice to someone looking for that would say offer to take someone to coffee or lunch near their work near where they work so it's very easy for them to walk across the street meet with you. They get a, a free meal. They get a free coffee out of it. How many people can say no to that? You know?
1: Right. Well, that's a good way to approach it. But you know, I know, um, having belonged to Orca, which that's the name of the group of local home inspectors here. I've, I went to their meetings before I got my license. So for the entire year of 2005, I went to every single meeting and listened because I could, you know, yeah. I listened to the other inspectors and I would say, Hey, you know, if you think it'd be okay, I'd like to tag along and see what you do and how you do it. I think new inspectors need to go with a lot of other inspectors to see, you know, cause I learned not only things that became useful to me, I learned some things not to do as well. <laughs> yeah, You know, don't set that precedent of taking that cost of that inspection to closing. Ooh, ouch. You know, yeah, that sort of thing. And I think that's, that's another one of my little peeves there that I, I don't do that anymore. I started out doing it. I was stuck with it for a long time. And after, um, spending a great amount of time, trying to collect I made a decision I wasn't doing it anymore and so I don't do it anymore and uh, I I, that's just one of those things you don't want to set a precedent on because then if you try to stop doing it you've already got these realtors that are used to it they're used to that $150 inspection or that being able to take that to closing or whatever else you whatever else you do, come back free when they fail to have the utilities put on, you know.
0: And I love the,
1: that from the beginning.
0: And I, I want to highlight you, you mentioned so casually just going and learning and listening and the humility it takes. Um, and that in the inspectors I see that don't make it or the ones that c- don't continue to grow as they stop thinking there's something they can learn from other people. And that's um another thing well, that's a huge mistake yeah and that i think that people that come from other walks of life or industries can have that mentality maybe more so than the traditional stereotypical inspector so um yeah i mean it's a basic thing right but it's not doesn't come natural to everybody to say you know what i'm going to learn from someone that's smarter than me
1: yeah well you if you if you're smart that's what you do <laughs> and if you're smart you don't last long so yeah. Yeah. I guess we have nothing to fear on, on those people. Right. Um, now, But that, you know, a lot of inspectors I see them get their license and they think it was easy and they get out there and they don't do the things that, that you know, I really highly suggest they do when they first start out. And then I'll see them a year later and they didn't renew their license. Yeah, just yeah, I, I I decided to do something else. You know, you've got to put the time and effort into it. You know if it's easy it's not really worth having
0: yeah exactly. Um, you'll,
1: you'll pay the consequences one way or another
0: speaking of consequences let's uh let's talk a little about your experience on the committee um, or board or whatever it's called um, tell us what what specifically you do because I know you see or you hear cases right or when inspectors get
1: occasionally um, we uh, don't, um, most of what we do, um, it's called the Home Inspector, Inspector Examiner's Committee at the Construction Industries Board. Um, I was confirmed um, through the Senate and appointed by the governor of Oklahoma in 2016.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I've been on the board, um, in that, on the examiner's committee for that long. But what we do is we look at rules. If, if any, you know, we examine the rules for home inspectors, which is the law. Um, We look at the qualifications for home inspectors. We look at the educational uh, programs that come in. We review those. And um, inspectors that fail to renew at a certain time, or if an inspector is coming from another state, we mainly listen to those people uh, that come before the board who may not be eligible for one reason or another. Uh, we listed their side of the story. Um, occasionally, there will be something that comes through where someone has filed a complaint on an inspector.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That is handled by an investigator who does all of the investigating, and then there's a, an attorney that sits on the board. They look at everything that has come in. We are not privy to that unless that person wants to come before the board and have a hearing, and I haven't had one of those yet. So we, I have not experienced that yet. I, I've heard about past hearings that have been there, but I haven't experienced that yet. Now, um, occasionally, um, the investigator will come, uh, before the board and put out information about a complaint. and a vote will be taken for further investigation. A recommendation's made then they hear a motion for further investigation. But really it doesn't come to, the investigation part doesn't come before the board unless that person opts to have a hearing before the board. So we deal mainly with um, people who want reciprocity, maybe, maybe they've been licensed in another state or somebody's trying to get education uh, passed for um, you know the school that they own to do pre-licensing or continuing education, and um, occasionally there will be somebody who is not eligible by the rules. Um, for instance, somebody that may have had a felony
2: mm-hmm.
1: on their record, and those people have to come before the board and explain their their situation and where they stand, and then uh, everything's discussed right there. It's public, it's, it's, uh, recorded publicly and, uh, there is the occasional vote on that type of situation. But very rarely does somebody come before the board in one a hearing. I haven't seen one in the two years I've been there.
0: Okay. And I, I think it was, I think we spoke, you know, maybe at some point earlier this year, about in, whether it was a trend or something you had heard or seen with your experience there of the, the length of comments in reports, or I think it somehow came up of um, a trend of trying to, trying to define less with text and more with the photos because if you were to go in front of a committee or board, the photo, it's hard to misconstrue what a photo says, but you can always misconstrue text, right?
1: You can. uh, I just think, you know, in every, I think some of the mistakes that inspectors make is either being too broad about something or too specific about something. Mm -hmm. I think, I think through experience, you learn how to um, get that down to a fine art, (laughs) basically where you're, where you've got your statement that you've made about what the condition is and your photo that actually shows the condition and where it's at. And I think simplifying things uh, is 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 more in your best interest. For For example, and I think one of the things that you and I had talked about was if you build a house and put brick veneer on it, in Oklahoma at least, the chances of finding a crack in that brick veneer are you know, it's probably 99.9% that you will mm-hmm. somewhere on that brick. And so to say, you know, on, on an inspection report that you've got this one crack in the brick, I think unless you you examine that brick for several hours, you wouldn't find every crack that's there. So one of the things that I like about Spectora is the fact that you can, you know, make a statement such as, you know, that you're going that you've seen minor cracks that need to be monitored there in various areas. And here's my picture of my example, my example picture. I think that's one of the things that we talked about. Am I, am I somewhere in the neighborhood of what you were thinking?
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, Cause we, we see inspectors with all types of templates and narratives, and there's some that still feel the need to give paragraphs, um, descriptions and try to maybe over describe something and i think the
1: more you say about something the more you are held accountable to everything and sometimes that's impossible i mean it is impossible in a two and a half three hour inspection for you to find all of those things and i think some inspectors are over their you know, they're making it sound like this is all there is. I've done all this and I've got these 15 pictures with this, you know, four page description when they could, you know, show that this is a normal condition. Here's an example of it. And it is in various areas. And so sometimes I think that you shoot yourself in the foot by saying you've got one at the Northeast corner, one at the Northwest corner, one above the garage, And you put all these locations, well, I'm going to tell you, I did this early on because I was so afraid of not putting everything on that inspection report and not taking into consideration. This is inexperience here. Uh, I didn't put one down. I I tried to define too much and I had a customer that called me back and she wanted to show me every crack I missed on the exterior. (laughs) And I mean, they look like, they look like fine point pencil marks and I hadn't written them down. So I think inspectors can try to do, I mean, you want to do a thorough job. You want to do a good job, but there are some inspectors, I read their reports and they're 97 pages. You've lost that customer. That report does them no good because you lost them after the first page when you wrote four paragraphs um and our whole the whole concept is educating your customer and i think if you put certain statements in your report and i'm i'm not trying to tell anybody how to do a report i'm I'm just stating what i think works and what i've seen and what i've experienced in looking at other inspectors reports i will tell you this is a conversation we had i because of my position at the Oklahoma Residential and Commercial Inspection Association, and the fact that people know that I I teach home inspection, I get a lot of phone calls,
2: mm-hmm. and people
1: forward people forward the inspection reports to me and go, "What does this inspector mean about with this?" And so I get to look at a lot of different inspection reports because of that, and you know, just to try and help them decipher. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of real estate agents will do that. And it's just to help them decipher what they're looking at, what's going on here. And in the course of that, of course, I'm nosy. I'm going to look at that whole report,
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: see things that I would just pick apart if I were a consumer because they've tried to they've tried to define exactly how I'm supposed to repair something. That's not a job for an inspector. It's to point out what's there. It's not how to repair it. Um, another thing is. Repairs are not required. Um, one of the biggies for me is stating code on an inspection report. And I'm, if there are any inspectors from Oklahoma that are listening to this, once you start writing code down on that report, you might as well you know, kiss your job goodbye because yeah. they will start looking at us to be code inspectors. And I'm gonna tell you from somebody who has taken a class for the last year, in code, you only thought the home inspection course was hard. <laughs> the test was hard. These code tests will eat your lunch,
2: uh-huh.
1: and and then some. And so that's not what we want. We are not code inspectors. We shouldn't be quoting code. And um, my advice to inspectors is stay off some of these Facebook pages where these guys get into contests about who knows more code than the other one because. Your job's not about code. Code is the minimum requirement. Our job is to find anything that's unsafe, that's broken, not working as it's intended to work. Period.
0: I love it. This is great. So yeah. You know. This is the exact kind of insight I think that um, that's valuable because. There is the tendency to overcompensate or write a fear-based report that if I don't jam everything in there, it actually is counterintuitive. It's the opposite of that. Which it is. is. It
1: is counterintuitive. <laughs> Absolutely. It blows. Um, it blows one of the mind. things that I think, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah. I said it blows a lot of inspectors' minds once they realize like, hey, this is not protecting you actually. This is one, hurting your customer and agent experience and two, could be opening you up to more. So stop with the hundred percent I'm going to
1: tell you something. I'm going to share something with you. Um, you know, I think I was probably the first person in Oklahoma to use Spectora.
0: You might have been. Tell me, you yeah. tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, you might have been. Okay.
1: Okay. Well, there are a lot of other inspectors that are using Spectora now. Thank you. Anyway, but I'm sure it wasn't me. But a friend of mine who uses Spectora, really good friend of mine, um, he was telling me that he had an – agent the other day after he finished the report and it's one he hadn't seen in a while and she said oh no Spectora oh my gosh that's going to be so hard hard to look at and he said no I think ours is pretty clean and and his is similar to mine and she looked at it and she goes oh my gosh I love this report she goes this can't be Spectora and so I asked him about this report and it's, it was definitely one of those 80 pagers where somebody had gone through and tried to, to, tried to convert another software's, they're reporting another software to Spectora. and it, it didn't do them any good. It didn't buy them anything, um, time, especially, because they're only repeating the same stupid mistake that they made before, which is <laughs> trying to overdo I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't call them stupid. I'm, I said report, didn't I? Anyway, they're they're trying to compensate for everything, and I think that you know the whole idea behind the Spectoral report is simplification. Get the things on there that you need to get on there. Not don't write a fluff report, obviously. Right. Get the things on there that you need to get on there. And I think a lot of inspectors are missing the big points. For instance, um, yes, we're going to write down that you've got an outlet that's that's broken or, or whatever, something of that nature, or yeah. maybe a drawer handle or something like that. But... If you're missing the big things that are costing money, I I think they're I just think that they're missing the point of doing an inspection because not only do we look at the things that are broken, you know, not working as they're intended and unsafe, we should be considering the items that are costing people a great deal of money. I mean, I know it's not in our standards of practice on some of these things, but for instance, let me just give you for instance, a refrigerator it's there and it's a sub-zero and you know it's not working in in our standards of practice we don't have to check refrigerators Mm -hmm. but if i've got a client with a seven hundred thousand dollar house they're buying and their eighteen thousand dollar refrigerator that's coming with it isn't working do you think they want to hear that they got a broken knob on the bathroom drawer (laughs) right now. And so I think knit and I hate to call it nitpicking because we want to be thorough. We want to give, you know, I try and give a sampling when we have those things like the big, the cracks um, on the exterior and things like that. I'll take a few pictures and say, this is a sampling of the pictures, but this, this is happening in various places on the exterior. Um, and so I don't want to, say that we're nitpicking but I think we lose focus on what's important to that customer right we're doing the thorough job but let's reprogram our minds to go hey I know that refrigerator's not included but you know that's a (laughs) sub-zero that's an $18,000 refrigerator just (laughs) to have just a spring in the door is like $1800 yeah and you noticed it wasn't working. I noticed it wasn't working, but, you know, that's not my standard practice. I'm not going to put that down there. I think we need to change that mindset.
0: And just be helpful and just think about how you can You're provide value.
1: You know, is your mom buying the house? That's the way you need to do that inspection.
0: <laughs> I like it. Yep. And In- you need to... I, I see some people, but it makes sense. It's corny, but it, I think that's how everyone needs to think about it. Cause then it sets your standard internally as opposed to a document that says, Oh, don't look at that.
1: Yeah. Cover what you have to cover, you know, cover, cover what you have to cover, inspect what you, you, you know, you're required to inspect, but also consider the big picture you need to step back and look at it you need to look at the big picture um you know it's kind of like if you are looking at this house that is in pristine condition you know and your standards of practice doesn't say anything about the grounds around the house and it's literally floating away because there's no protection from the you know the environment and the water drainage that house is not going to be useful in a year. Right. You know, you have to step back and look and see, look at the big picture and see what's going on.
0: So I, I want to be mindful of your time here. How, how much more time do you have? you have a couple minutes left?
1: Oh yeah, sure.
0: Okay, great. So I know I interviewed, I think that we spoke, I spoke to you and, and Jennifer Yarborough maybe a year ago and just asked some, some, yes. some questions about, being women in a male dominated industry. So I'll ask you, do we need more women in the home inspection industry? And if so, how?
1: Absolutely. How we,
0: so how, I don't feel, feel so need? alone.
1: <laughs> 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 okay. So not, my not selfish answer is, you know, um, for women to succeed in any male dominated industry, you know, you've got to be prepared to, to work the longer hours and put in, you know, more effort than, any of the men that are in the industry. So if you're, if you are a determined woman, which most of us are, if you know women, you probably know one that is, um, you know, you can do it. I think we have an art of developing instant rapports with clients, you know? Yep. Um, I think we find out very, very quickly, um, what's important to that client and, you know, what their needs are in a very, very quick fashion. And I think that's important. One of the, one of the things, and I don't want to um, digress too much, but one of the things that, that I teach when I'm teaching home inspection is to be successful and to not get sued. You know, you want to limit your liability. One of the biggest things that you need to do is bring that client's expectations down to a realistic level that meets your capabilities as an inspector. And I think women do that very, very well. Absolutely. I think we don't talk over people's heads. We're not loud generally. I can be if I need to, but we aren't generally loud. We're softer spoken. People have to listen harder to hear us. And I think we have an advantage in that way. And when I write my report, I don't use tech, I could use technical speak if I wanted to. And sometimes there's just no other way to state something. But when I'm explaining that report, I explain it as if I was explaining it. And again, to my mom, who was 80 something before she passed away. And I think that that is an advantage. So I think
0: we do need more women in the industry. Absolutely. I, and I couldn't agree more on the ones that we're exposed to um, on the communication and the softer skills. It comes more natural. And it's something I think um, all men could learn from um, and do better. Um, It just doesn't come natural to the kind of construction types that I think tend to be in our industry. So Um, I'm guessing you don't see many come through your school, but I don't know what, I don't know what, it's probably just a function of prior careers and experiences, Uh, but I am seeing a few more here and there.
1: I see about 3% are women. Okay. So for every hundred, I get about three. Um, And if if, uh, they're dedicated to it, those are the ones I want to hire because really statistically speaking, um, uh, female inspectors, you know, according to most training professionals tend to score higher on exams.
0: It mm-hmm. <laughs> makes sense.
1: Okay. And so you're going to get somebody that's really worked really hard to get where they're going. You know, they're dedicated. I mean, it just makes a lot more sense to me. I mean, not that I, you know, Not that uh, I couldn't hire a man just as capable, but really, if you have to try harder to get something, I think you're going to last a lot longer because it was harder to get. Agreed. So in terms of turnover, you're probably going to have a more loyal employee with a woman than you are a man. Plus, we put our emotions into everything. so We tend tend to get emotionally attached to, to people and things. So you know that has a you know that has some that has a little bit to do with it anyway.
0: Yeah, this that very thing that builds rapport, builds trust, uh, makes people feel comfortable. It
1: does. And and think about this, you know, before I'm done with a with a situation, I'm generally friends with that client, that customer, that real estate agent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, because of our, I've I've. I caught them at the beginning, I talked through them, I talked them through the inspection and we're laughing and and talking at the end and if something goes wrong, they're way more comfortable calling you that they think they're friends with to say, hey, something went wrong, you know, what can we do to fix it rather than, oh, I can't call him, he was totally intimidating, I'm just going to send him a letter from my attorney.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: Makes a big difference.
0: Absolutely. So. Well, thank you for weighing in on that. Um, there's, there's so much more we could get into, but is there anything that, that I didn't ask you or anything that you think um, kind of needs to be put out there? Because I think we're, we're building a lot of listeners now. So what, uh, what haven't we talked about that you think we should have?
1: Um, I think we've actually talked about everything I wanted to talk about. You know, being presenting a professional front as an inspector is so important to me. You know, just because when somebody compares me, because they do, and I get compared a lot because I am a woman, it we have to work as women a lot harder to make people think we're serious. Um, when I first started out, I had uh, realtors look at me with you know a snarled up nose and a real weird look, and their eyebrows raised. Like you, you walk on the roof and you go under a house. Well. I do, it's not, I don't prefer to go under a house, but it's part of the job, and, um, you know, if I've got to do it, I've got to do it, so, you know, we work really, really hard at, at, you know, gaining the trust, and getting referred, and when I look at inspectors out there, and somebody compares me to somebody that I know is not professional, I just, cringe because I want them so badly to be a professional I don't want to be compared to somebody who's not at that level that is not doing the things that I do for my customers you know that's not bending over I and really bending over backwards because I think you need to do the job to you get it done and that's what I do and sometimes it requires you know doing some things I wouldn't necessarily want to do but you do it so I think trying to promote the professionalism and understanding what the difference is in just being a home inspector and having a home inspection company is is key out there. It helps educate that realtor and in knowing what they're getting and what their clients getting. And I say what they're getting because they're the ones that refer us, and if they're referring me and I call him Buck Fifty Guy, Cheap Charlie, I don't want to be compar- I don't want to be in that group because then I get associated with the inspection he just did, where he was too rushed and didn't do the job that I think should have been done. You know, when I look at some of these reports. And you know, I I just I think we need to be educators. I guess that's my bottom line out there.
0: Love it! It's such a good message. Um, and you bring so much knowledge. Um, I'm sure everyone's learned a ton. Where can people find you or get a hold of you? What's the best way? Whether they're an agent listening or a new inspector or someone that just wants to network.
1: Uh, well, I give you my email address. It's Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot C-O-O-N, C-O-O-N at Outlook.com. Or you can find me um, via my website, which is zphez net And our phone number is four zero five two two seven five zero three zero.
0: Perfect. And I'll link to all that in the description um, and put that kind of across social media and everywhere um, with with the podcast when this releases. So um, thank you so, so much, Melissa. Okay, this, this has been super thank helpful.
1: Thank you so much. I think I be... enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Kevin.
0: Yeah, no problem. Bye
1: bye.
0: Talk to you soon. Bye bye.
1: Okay. Bye bye.